Hello, my name is John Wolfstone, and I am the host for the Reculture podcast. So what is Reculture? Well, I've been a co-founder of Reculture Media, which is now known as the Reculture Collective. And we are a network, a mycelial web of change maker artists who are dedicated to paradigm shift towards a regenerative culture. Our working tagline is that the Reculture Collective is a mimetic, multidimensional expression and embodiment of regenerative culture for the more beautiful world. Essentially, the collective is a retention space, a container and a platform for myself and so many friends around the world who in their hearts and minds and spirits are seeing the shift towards a more beautiful world and need more spaces to connect and share and grow and really launch um, themselves into this new story. So we are still early in our first year and a half of being an entity. And so we are excited to roll out now the first Reculture podcast as hosted on Lucid Vibe Radio. And today we have a very special and amazing interview with Caroline Casey, which I conducted at the Bioneers Conference in San Rafael, California on October 21st of 2017, just about a month ago. And so Caroline Casey is the founder and weaver and host of Coyote Network News, a mythological news service dedicated to cahooting with the trickster redeemer and translating wisdom traditions into pragmatic applications so that we humans may wend our way back to the garden of conscious kinship and rejoin the choreography of creation. Ugh, her words are really fun to say. She's also the Weaver host of the Visionary Activist Show on the Pacifica radio stations for the last 20 years, and she's an author and the convener of Trickster Training Councils. And she's just a lovely human being. Um, and please know that this interview was actually originally a video interview, which I translated to be now for podcast. And thus, it wasn't the interview wasn't conducted of myself fully on a mic, so my audio quality is not as strong as it will be in the future. And there were a few other just audio intricacies, including geese in the background, birds chirping loudly, at one point, my audio recorder died, and we switched to the on-camera mic, and then switched to actually plugging in our better mics into the camera. So just please bear with the audio for this first uh, rendition of a Reculture podcast, and know that we're going to keep refining the process. And still, I think it is completely audible. So thank you so much for joining us tonight. We'd love to hear from you. You can find out more about us at www.reculturemedia.com and you can find more Caroline's work at coyotenetworknews.com. Thank you.
first question is, <laughs> what question should I ask? <laughs> uh, it's like, but come on, magic eight ball. <laughs> The, the, the fun cheating thing. That's yeah. right. I, I could start all my radio shows that way. But <laughs> yeah, well, uh, no, no. Look, well, 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 let me start with uh, what wants to come through. You know, the, the trickster woof woof want to play. You know, and what, what's available to us now, and what quality we, we want to cultivate to best navigate this cuckoo time to contribute our gifts. So I love you know the ancient uh, trickster creation myth that I made up uh, with Stella Coyote, and it's just you know long before there were humans, there was trickster who sets the whole thing going with a shebang, a sizzle of lightning. And this sizzle of nature's evolutionary intelligence and ingenuity that we call trickster, you know, sizzles through all the flora and fauna and all the way up through raven and coyote. And, uh, and every now and then it gets imprisoned, you know, or mm, mm, orthodoxed or constrained, but so it learns how to escape. It becomes escape artist, escapade artist. And then it sizzles up through seeds that sprout after cataclysm yay life and then into each one of us now right and that's why i love the the word endogenous which means it's internal receptors so people say our our bodies scientists say our bodies have cannabis receptors it's an intrinsic kinship you know and we have dmc dmt receptors which are the psychoactive ingredients in ayahuasca like Whoa. and we also have um you know um, mythological intelligence receptors so when we speak now to everyone's ingenious trickster self, you know, it comes alive, it goes, hello, yes, here, and we're calling it forth. So there's, um, yeah, so, and, and it is, as you kind of referenced, you know, so let's all move our emotional defaults, default setting to woof, woof, wanna play, you know, as a, and, and just watching all the creatures and the, and the, uh, around us we go, and curiosity, what a great way to approach the world. Like, hello, what's your story? You know, bears peering out of the woods going, hello, what? Or the goose coming over here going, what are those people doing? So, yeah, so for all of us, uh, my, part of my dedication is that all good-hearted people that we have our, that our language, our story, and our metaphor, because those are magic things, be in accord with our dedication. You know, that's part of the trickster dynamic, because there's no prison for the unexpected, and so we're encouraging everyone's uniqueness um, uh, as effective mm, voices for whatever they love. Is this resonating with yourself and your team? Yeah. So the tricky thing about the unexpected or being unexpected is that it's unexpected. And if we've been given cultural uh, myths or programs so long to like be in these expected ways, like how does one actually access this trickster redeemer archetype um, energy. Well, it's 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 the large question of how do we want to gather now to be most effective and most playful, and so I, I love you know that you know on earth as it is in heaven. So you know in the heavens the the planets representing intelligence residing within us that connects us to the world. Saturn, structured discipline, is in harmonious accord with Uranus trickster ingenuity, and what we see on the earth is wolves and coyotes are mating as an evolutionary advantage through the pressure we're putting on everybody. So wolves, very Saturn, pack structure, right? Although their leadership model is playful. The, 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 the wolf leader is the leader that engages the playful ingenuity of the pack, which is a pretty good leadership criterion for us to think about. Um, and it is also the wolf pup with the lowest resting heartbeat. So it's the coolest, calmest wolf 
who engages the collective intelligence of the pack. Let's all think about what kinds of leaders we want to be and have. And go, That's pretty good. Um, but still a very structured uh, way of uh, community. Coyotes, Yornis, um, very, no, mad, genius, wild, not so much a collaborative dynamic as well as a mad genius. So the, these koi wolves, as scientists call them, the result of the wolves and coyotes mating, I call them wolfotes, um, is for all of us to go, wouldn't it be great, don't we want to have a supportive wolf pack and to contribute to a supportive wolf pack Fact, that encourages each one of our mad, wild, unique, genius coyote. Go, yeah, that would be great to be safe enough to take the interesting risks, you know, and just as a kind of resonant model going, yeah, that would be, that would be good. But it's, um, uh, it, it, there's, a, there's a rising up in, in availability, you know, everyone's trickster, woof, woof, wanna play. It's in, it is in nature, it's the quality we most want now. And it says, let's throw everything into the cauldron, you know, all teachings, all exactly seagulls and everybody, um, and you know, bubble, bubble, and all, all tired metaphors and tired language that's no longer useful, and, and go, does it guide everyone to their own autonomy? You know, um, is it equal Mars and Venus, men and women? Is it equal humans and the rest of our relations on this planet? Is trickster within us welcome, playing, disruptive for the sake of authenticity and truthfulness? Can the truth be said without cringing? Is it welcome? Yes, we ladle it out. No, we throw it back in, right? So, you know, our ways of gathering and, and, and our criterion for mm, teachers and team, it, it really wants to be equal, or, and, and equal not only among us, but what I like to call democratic animism, which is forming collaborative partnerships with you know, intelligence in nature as an experiment. And then, so in this realm, what it comes to mind is even with the collaborative partnerships is, um, I know some, a realm that you have walked in that many might not expect is the realm of politics. You live outside of Washington, uh, D.C. And right now we've elected this yeah. person, who this person, Trump and his hmm. followers, has created a lot of uh, divisiveness. And there seems to be no, most people, it's hard to imagine, many people, it's hard to imagine a possibility of that being a redemptive force or interactive redemptive right. force. So yeah. what does partnering look like with that type of energy or even that figure at this time? We're certainly wondering. Uh, we, are, we, we say, are we humbled enough humans that we've outsourced leadership to this lowest each day lower form of, you know, vulgar cartoon of American murderous sociopathy that we've done. Um, but, uh, but that's why, you know, uh, experimentally we also go to create the atmosphere conducive to goodness and that's also as, as the razzle-dazzle spell of the con begins to dissolve, you know, it behooves all of us to be able to be inviters to the desirable story, you know, come on over here, this is where we're going, this is kind of saying reverence over here. So I do like to cross borders and go uh, talk to unlikely people and uh, Republican convention, Trump supporters, woke, and, and you know, conservative political action conference, whoa, you know, to see woof woof want to play. Are there people there who do? And there are, you know. And it's that idea of really being, you know, um, seeing, experimenting. So um, if we, you know, the, the power of metaphors. I say um, 
We all have our harumphitude composter. We want to compost harumphitude and snark because the energy we run on is metaphorically significant. If we're snarky or condescending, which means we all go down together, we're running on the energetic equivalent of, of tar sands, fuel, gummy, sticky, you know, righteous, you know. So we want to tease models of playful democratic ingenuity into every molecule of our being. So, um, so how we approach people, so I go, we all have a harumphitude composter, which is good before we speak. Going, because we look at somebody and we go, fuh, or their car is too big, or what a bad attitude, or we've got enough compost, compost, because then all kinds of surprising conversation can happen. And what I mean by, there's no prison for the unexpected, you know, I, 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 I use this a lot, but your team hasn't seen me before, so here we go, what the hell. Um, you know, like at the Conservative Political Action Conference, there were, you know, Ayn Rand right-wing economists looking all kind of um, privileged. The, the word privilege means private law, right? And so there you have it. Um, and they were following this guy, their guru around who had a black eye patch and a cane and just looked like a Batman, you know. So I had kind of, and it was like no compost. You know, and they marched over to me because I look like I look everywhere, you know, and they go, who are you, right? And I said, um, I'm Coyote Network News. I'm a mythological news service for the trickster redeemer within us all. And they were like, that is so cool. Right? And then we, you know, then we had a curiosity. You know, what's your story? What's my story? Then we begin to define terms again, rather than face off. You know, and, and the biggest con, like the con is the thing that imprisons, the trick is that which liberates. The biggest con is to be conned into polarity, because we strengthen whatever we oppose. All these dementors in power, they thrive on conflict. They must have an enemy. They're the epitome of addiction to having an enemy. So, so you know, in the spirit of, you know, all of creation, you know, we just posit, believe nothing but entertain possibilities that, you know, all of create our relations on this planet are kind of backstage going, what do we do about the humans, this rogue species, you know? We've got to either kill them or heal them. Let's try healing them first. Let's make everything that has ever moved humans to conscious kinship, you know, available. You know, um, you know, for fresh expression, and that's where, you know, everyone listening now, you know, just think, what do you love? How are you its expressive artistic voice? How are you an agent for it or a voice for it? You know, and, th you know, these forming of um, partnerships, the idea that whatever we love, loves us, and the restoration of intimacy, you know, to the world and collaboration. Uh, and there's so much to collaborate with. So. So, so it's the rewedding of you know activism and animism, right? But but what what you what you said, that meander there, um, was you know you you do cross borders in politics and and so I like it. Um, I do on purpose hang out in uh, 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 areas of non-agreement necessarily. So go to party and my friend who got me into this goes. That's the most conservative man in the room. Go talk to him. So I go, hello, you know. Um, and he goes, what do you know about Edmund Burke? And I go, oh, really, not much. And he goes, well, this, this argument about small government, big government is uh, irrelevant. And he said, Edmund Burke said, the more we cultivate inner qualities of discipline and constraint, the fewer outer laws and regulations we need. And I go, well, now we're talking. We're talking astrology, we're talking Taoism. And this conservative guy said, Taoism, I love Taoism, but I haven't had anybody to talk with about it, you know, in, in decades. And so we're off and running. And I go, that's a worthy conversation, you know, about evolution of culture. But we take it out of conventional discourse and go, the more we cultivate ourselves, you know, the fewer laws and constraints we need, 
corporations do need constraints because they're not breathing. They're, they're viruses. They're, they're toxic mimic, you know, genetically designed viruses to suck chi out of things. But so we, we do need the regulations there to protect the commonwealth. And, you know, and, and for all of us to, um, who brought what to this renaissance that's rising from the ashes of, you know, cataclysmic, uh, I mean, it's got, it's going down, right? It's, it's, um, uh, right. So, so, so I guess many people lately have been saying <laughs> the empire has no clothes, right? <laughs> um, which, which is good. Um, so, and, and see, it's, it, it is, it's not to put a happy a smiley face on the empty gas tank at all. Like, oh, it's fine. Cause it's horrible. It, we we want to be informed about how much cruelty and, and horror is being done daily around the world by the rise of right-wing thing and the, the feeding on polarity and hatred. So if mass mind, you know, all of our collective culture in which we're conspiring now, you know, is, uh, is, is, is being filled with that which elicits the worst of humans, mob mind and Trump saying he could, you know, step into Fifth Avenue and shoot somebody point blank and not lose a supporter and then you get a mass murderer and you go, it's all the same complicity of feeding bad stuff. So. We critique, but then we, we, we engage. Um, so it behooves all of us to spiral into collective group mind, the memosphere, expanded wisdom and tolerance and ingenuity and you know, availability and, uh, and ever-expanding repertoire of responses rather than reactions so that we can be first responders, not first reactors. Like, oh my god, it's horrible. That's a first reactor. Like, yeah, so then more like wolves on, on and coyote. On this level, um, what I really am thinking now is like that the mythological understanding you have does evil exist? Like does evil exist? Because I think people look at Trump like he's evil and there is this way of like at some point I feel like a safety or like this just needs to be uh, destroyed or like Nazism it's evil or is it or yeah how does that work? Well it's it's a useful conversation for us all to have and after the Las Vegas shooter you know and Trump said this is pure evil Wonderful essay by a woman, forgot her name, love to attribute, um, about the use of evil is a con. Because it means it's something you couldn't have prevented. You know, and it makes it over into this realm of that, 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 that takes it out of our realm of wise considering how are we complicit in this thing, how could this be prevented. So, suspicious of the word evil. Um, the, the word that gets translated to us as evil from Aramaic, which is the vernacular language Jesus would have spoken, um, the word that Jesus uses, that we hear as evil, it means unripe, right? Unripe. So, so I like that because that gives us metaphoric agility. What do you do with unripe things? You put them in a brown paper bag, right? So, so our, our whimsy as well, you know, we imagine a giant brown paper bag descending over all that is evil, that it may ripen, you know? And then, and then also whatever we spend our time on is what we worship. We want to critique but not stay there, you know, as, as Esther Hicks says, not keep banging the drum of what is that's horrible. Oh, it's horrible, it's horrible. You'll go, got it, horrible, here's the vision. You know, a crucial part of our metaphoric agility is, is we all have not only a harumphitude composter, everybody gets to take that away in practice, but a magic mirror, right? And so the mirror, the secular critic part of all of us holds up a mirror and goes, that's horrible in detail. And then the trickster part of us with a wave of the hand turns the mirror into a window, but look how beautiful it could be. Mm, invitation, Venus coming in. And then with another wave of the hand turns it into a door, boom, let's go, Mars. 
Venus first, beauty, guides us to Mars, action, right? So it's got to be beautiful. Mm -hmm. It's like the, the food being cooked by the great chefs of Puerto Rico. It's got to be beautiful when you're serving people in distress. So I guess then on a similar question, um, and thank you, this is, that was really awesome. Um, when you say that uh, cooperators are standing by, yeah. like, it's, for me it's understanding of, like, there's, like there's healing forces or almost like people call like angels or fairies or like entities that want to <clears throat> um, help us. Like what is that? that really mean and how would a person access that and does that then create a reality where there's also like demonic forces staying by and how does that not fall into uh, where there's evil like what what is the difference between that understanding and just like there's evil in the world and it's like ah versus like and there could be different energies or forces that could help us and well maybe but we want to be creatively suspicious evil is so old-fashioned right i don't think we you know again metaphoric agility like so metaphors are the incarnational garb whereby power enters the world, right? It's, it's part of the, how creation works, you know? And so the templates we make and the language we use really become animated, right? So that's why we want to be, you know, even more, you know, uh, un, unleashed, un, unconditioned in, in our, in our uh, creative expression. Um, so, uh, wait, what, did, so you, what you said, you said, what do we do about evil, what do we, no, no, oh, oh, what? So, so the cooperators and this other... Oh, the cooperators standing by, okay. Like, what does this mean? Well, you know, again... How do I access that? I think relaxing, it's, it's permission. Um, the Thai saying, the Thailand saying, because we were never colonized, we never lost our animism. Meaning, I, I, I mean, I love this, which is animism, which is just the experimental engaging with the world of curiosity and honoring. To animate means to honor the soul of the tree, the bird, the sky, the thing, like, hello, hello. This call and response intimacy that is intrinsic to us that we've been shamed out of, right? Like, well, it's not scientific. You know, um, and, and so to, to not have access to our intrinsic endogenous animistic magic is that our minds are still colonized. Right, in some way. The reality police have constrained the very thing we most need, which is we as humans can't possibly fix this you know, by ourselves, only by engaging you know, with nature's evolutionary design and with all kinds of qualities, and then experimenting just to see this call and response. It's a part of us that's you know, um, you know, hungry for magic, and we say magic is simply a willingness to cooperate with everything, not condone, but to go, it comes this way, you know, how can we swirl this thing, how can we, you know, um, and that's, you know, I love the beautiful language of astrology. For, for me, that, that describes the cooperators that are standing by, that, because regardless of what people think astrology is or whatever, what it is intrinsically, it, it's about full autonomy, about each one of us having access to all of our resources and to the unique experiment and needed experiment that everyone is. There's no one like anybody else. We need that particular medicine. And I love the word unique, right? We don't want to be special, because that's a celebrity thing that's kind of passive and toxic. Each one of us who's unique liberates and encourages everybody else to be unique. So we're, we get clear in our dedication. We want to be agents of liberating, not con, right? And, so, so once we do that, you know, then, then the playfulness comes into being. It's part of the rise of, you know, 
plant sacraments and entheogens, the plants want to heal our sense of kinship. Um, and it's not that people have to take or need to take psilocybe or, or the ayahuasca ceremonies or the cannabis, you know, but they help, you know. Um, they're like training wheels back into kinship because they increase perception of reality and kinship. It's, uh, it's not a delusion. Um, it's an intimacy. But even just hearing about it, part of us goes, yes, that sense of kinship. And, and it doesn't require belief. In fact, belief is not uh, encouraged. Uh, I like to say, believe nothing, entertain possibilities, right? Because even if we happen to believe in the truth, it would still be a booby prize because we hadn't earned it. You know, it, it would be believe, outsourcing our Saturn. You know, experiment until you know it, or you go, yes, that's right. Okay, so this is this is for me such a key point because my own journey of coming back into kinship or accessing these forces that have been colonized out of me and my ancestors for such a long time, there's still this place of like this element of knowing. And how does one know that one knows? I remember going traveling for the first time when I was like 19. I was like, how do I know what to do? Everyone's like, follow your heart, follow your heart. And I was like, fuck you, yeah, I don't know what that means. Like, what does that feel like? And there's this, this element of, like, this point of knowing that it's something different than a scientifically verified thing, but there's, like, an experience. And I think many of us are feeling uh, inept and stuck in movement because we don't know what to, like, do. No, let's step in for that. Um, <clears throat> all right, so, so many qualities of intelligence. Some are colonized and not encouraged in the modern world, but we need them now. So, Neptune dreams, vision, imagination, when it moves into our lives as it is in a way, it dissolves certainty. And we say certainty is an addiction of the modern world. It's a booby prize. Let's throw certainty, no. Um, replace it with mystery and wonder, right? And see, in the ancient world, you know, um, not knowing was considered a fantastic accomplishment, kind of the opposite of what you just put forward. Going, look, David Wolfstone's run out of certainty. Fantastic! A round of applause from the ancestors. Now, now the cooperators can find him. Now, now the, the sense of, ah, oh. you know, it, and, and so we all need a quality of wonder, you know, um, that the modern world is, you know, it's, it's addiction, um, its conditioning is to certainty, but things are so falling apart and dangerous, you know, that that's kind of crumbling. But it's sort of like a game, the antique game of, you know, musical chairs. The music stops, everybody scrambles for a chair. You know, um, modern world, one, one less chair, job chair, home. But, but, but for all of us, we go, never wanted to play that game, go on free range. And so part of the framing when people go, oh, I got fired, or I don't have a job, or I'm retiring, and I go, well, in this world, what it means is, I'm available, you know, um, and it's 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 part of part of our internal cahoot with the world is part of the how we tell ourselves our own story and the words we use. Oh, whaley whaley, poor me, don't have a job and this is terrible. Or I'm available, but but the inner dedication, and for each of us to wonder about this, which is an important dynamic that the modern world also distracts people away from, is. What are we dedicated to for, for each one of us? What is our manifesto of dedicated devotion? Not anything that our parents thought we should do or we thought we should do or hip people thought we should do. Just that resonant affinity like, I love this culture, these animals, this thing, this realm of geeky media. I just, what, you know, again, we, we honor our affinities and go, those are clues, you know. And then the inner dedication 
magnetizes outer opportunity is a possibility to entertain, right? I don't, I don't want anybody to believe any of this stuff. Just take it out and play with it and see what happens. But, but see, because Uranus represents nature's evolutionary trickster adoptive ingenuity, it, it's about experimenting. It has no category about success-fail. It's like, try that, nope, try that, nope, try that, ooh, yeah, and then you feel the sizzle, like, ooh, we love that. You know, when you feel that synchronous sizzle, like the right thing at the right time, like, oh, there is a larger thing, what we hope is true is true, what a relief. And sometimes, I mean, we want that to carry us through when we cry out and it's so sad and miserable that we go, hello, and there's nothing coming back, you know, and, and we go, are we alone, pathetic weenies in the face of a vast, uncaring universe? And we go, oh, no, and then the coyote shows up, or the, the, the right message, or the, the, the thing, you know. Um, it's, it's entering into uh, the imaginative mythic world, even from science, you know, a million years ago, I clipped this New York Times science article that said, um, around every river uh, is an invisible river teeming with organisms, you know, but invisible to us, about, um, you, know, uh, you know, 500 feet down, about a quarter mile out, you know. And they said, scientists have discovered that the health of the visible river depends on the health of the invisible river. Well, this is metaphysics 101. Around everything, around our hand, our body, our dedication, the tree, the whatever, the river, is an invisible river. This is what we mean, what most people mean when they refer to the overused word shamanism, you know. Uh, the, the, the experimental mediation on behalf of the community with the invisible realm. Um, and, and that's a worthy realm of, of offering a partnership. You know, uh, I love the recent scientific research showed that when people, you know, um, uh, sometimes with sacraments like ayahuasca, sometimes on their own, when they engage with an invisible imagined being, the part of their brain reacts very happily as though they were having tea with a dear old friend. It's the molecular encouraging equivalent, right? So we experiment with that, you know, and, um, uh, and, and yes, and wherever you want to go. <laughs> so, okay, where, where I want to go is I'm so excited. Um, Sorry. Is, is, that, is that, so what but, is then, or how do people do this essentially in a way that isn't, like what people call bypassing. Because I think some people will be like, oh, like something bad happened and like, oh, I'm like available. But there's this element of like, am I bypassing the grief or the recognition of my, the ways I was out of harmony that got me in this tough situation to begin with. And like, how does one hold both those realities or those uh, potentials? Well, we're all, you know, we're all working it. I mean, I think, I think that's the, the useful word complicity. Not shame, not blame, but whatever is going on, we are complicitous. We are contributing creative chi to our circumstance. And it's a useful thing to entertain. And so, but once we see that or, or entertain that possibility, we can inhale our chi from the less than desirable story and exhale it into a better story, right? And, um, uh, you know, what does that mean? How do we, you know, what is, how is that an applied thing? So, change the story, change the world. And again, something I use a lot, you know, and but it's so good. You know, it was um, a UN official that I talked to years ago told me about the scariest moment in his life. 
uh, when he was uh, doing refugee work in, I think, Zaire. And uh, at that time, long ago, uh, all the refugee tents in, in all the refugee tents in the world were engaged. We're, we're in a world of refugees, right? Um, exactly, uh, said the duck. And um, uh, so he w so the week before, colleagues of his had been kidnapped and murdered, and he's walking down the street, the dirt road, with colleagues, and they're kidnapped. They're pushed into the back of a of a car with people with AK-47s pointing at them, and they really thought they were going to die. But he had a psychiatric nursing background, and he turned to his colleagues saying, we've got to change the story. We're not being kidnapped. We're being helped. So they began to thank their captors. Oh, man, thank you so much for keeping us safe in this complex environment. And their captors were puzzled, right? Unexpected response, right? And so late that night, you know, thank you, thank you. Um, late that night, uh, captors locked them up and said, but don't worry, you'll be safe because we're putting a guard outside. And then three days later, let them go. So this model of experimenting, you know, at any point, you know, in the middle of a story, it does take, you know, uh, less than uh, five seconds. Time out, backstage, story rewrite. We're no longer victims. Now we're grateful. You're no longer thugs. Now you're heroes. Back on stage, let's go. Part of our bag of tricks. It's part of our experimental realm. But um, but yeah, no, of course we go. You know, um, you, you you yourself in your journey, you broke your shoulder and uh, and you had to dance move with it to go. Now what? You know, and you know people say you know Robert Bly wrote a poem. You twist your ankle and end up reading the most important books that change your life. You know, we 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 wonder where to go and. You know, and we take everything from nature. A friend of mine who's a river guide says, in the most dangerous rapids, there's always a silver tongue of calm, right? So in our emotional rapids and our political rapids, we, where's, where's the silver tongue of calm? Where, where it's like, oh, no, 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 there. Right. You know, on our contacts is how the esotericists would say it, when we're relaxed enough to have our wise animal guide us into the right spot, you know, going, and all of that is about, you know, self-cultivation to be effective in the outer world kind of thing uh, from every tradition, but with some criterion that we don't want to outsource to superstition. When on that um, regard, what, this is from my also best friend brother who actually is the one who first told me about you. He's so happy. <laughs> um, is, I'm thinking about, what about this idea of like an intentional underworld journey? I think many people, many young people, I know for sure, myself included, like I've gone on vision quest, I've really been on this journey of finding what is unique about myself through this understanding, like I need to explore my shadow, I need to go to my underworld or the underworld, and that's the depths I find out my uh, uniqueness. And I guess the question is just like, what do you make of that? Is that like a useful story or like frame? Um, and how, if it is, how does one do that? Or how does one get in touch with that part of ourselves or the universe where we do find those like gifts that come often out of the dark places? Right. Well, you know, it's, it's it, the idea of how pragmatic mysticism, how are myths and metaphors, and, and I love uh, recent, you know, being in, in life um, that uh, one of my radio guests found and then I host him on radio. Um, Young man born in Ramoya Keys, born in uh, South Central, um, or grew up in South Central LA. His parents are armed bank robbers, you know, hideous foster care things, you know, I mean, everything against him. Um, 
And then as he narrates it, uh, he begins to have prophetic dreams when he's eight, you know, and then he steals books, he steals the Odyssey. And, he's, uh, and he learns all about Greek mythology. This is a, you know, a small, you know, underprivileged black kid in South Central LA, and then Roman, whatever, and he goes, oh, there's qualities of heroism, and there's other forces, and there's other things, and then he learns Egyptian mythology, and then um, the, the um, author, you know, says, have you ever been to the Getty Museum in Los Angeles? No, come with your friends, they'd never seen the ocean. They go to the Getty Museum, and at every statue and, and piece of, you know, mythological art, you know, this young man uh, recites everything known about it, you know, um, and uh, people gather around going, do you work here? That's fantastic. And his essay on, you know, how myth has shaped and saved my life is he's then involved with some sketchy stuff and falsely accused of a crime and his sister reminds him of Vudun and the invocation of Ochozi, who is the god of, of justice and truth. And so he in, invokes Ochozi and at that time, because of his work, he magnetically attracts some wise elders who are you know, griots and storytellers, and so he invokes Ochozi to help him through this trial that's looking grim. At every moment in his life, it's like, God, that could be the end, that could be the end, that could be a 20-year sentence, that could be whatever, and Ochozi comes through, and there's a synchronous resolution, and justice is found, and he makes peaceful harmony with the accuser, and, you know, again, these are applied things. So, the journey to the underworld, that happens, you know, and, um, you know, and that's why fairy tales and myths are such useful guidance. Uh, anybody was anybody in the ancient world goes to the underworld and they are story navigational guides for how you, how you do it and what keeps you alive and what gets us through, right? So, yeah, and we're all in the underworld now, you know, act four. And you think that then there's like intentional ways people need to approach it? Like I've been on this really intense, like I'm trying to like get there on my own soul journey. Like, do you think that is helpful or is it a inevitable part of the human experience? Well, I, f I find, you know, the astrological language, which I do readings for the collective, for all of us, and then for individuals, and it's, it's so accurate in delineating somebody's journey now, 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 you know. And, and again, it's not outsourcing like this is happening to you. It's, 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 it's always with people and with audiences. I go, does this resonate? Does this feel right? You know, like, oh yes, you're putting into words. You're giving me a language to understand myself. But yes, it's, it's, so it's not an external thing. So when we descend into the underworld, you know, it's the Inanna myth, it's the Persephone myth, it's the, you know, Orpheus myth. And, and there are things that get us through. It's, it's also myths, fairy tales, and crime fiction, detective fiction. They are all related. So, you know, most ancient form of detective novel, 131 BC in China. And it's the same theme. It says, the purpose of the magistrate is to descend into the underworld in order to restore human affairs to be in accord with the mandate of heaven and earth. Bring, bring harmony back. That's why we go to the underworld. That's why all the mythological figures go to the underworld, to restore harmony in their own lives and the collective. Um, and, and they give advice. They go, you know, um, in the underworld you will meet sketchy people, some of whom want to harm you. Um, authenticity is a great protection, meaning your inner self and your outer self match. So over and over again in, in myths and fairy tales and, and detective novels, bad people come up to you in the underworld like they are now and they go, I was going to rob you or kill you, but I sense that you're authentic, you're not a con. You know, so I want to change sides and be on your team, but I have underworld skills you will need. And that's, you know, hello, fantastic. <laughs> Glad to join us. Right on cue. Very, very good curiosity investigative being.
Um, and we all want to do that. We want to go, come change sides, but we have, you know, bring your underworld skills. We, who brought what? Who's a great hacker? Who can protect things for that? Uh, who's an ethical person as an investment banker? Uh, who's somebody in the Pentagon who can call off the invasion? You know, who's willing to volunteer to be a Rasta smoking, a ganja smoking Rasta? You know, we need everybody. So then on the same, same vein, there's also been for me this like, in the movement towards this, my realization of my mythological self, there's also been this thing about like integrity and needing to earn it and like I've been really scared of the shadow of many of these movements for instance things like um, ayahuasca I'm like I don't know like people are just doing it all the time and like what right. about what about like earning it and like how to like how to hold that like it, like and balance that like is there a way that people are using these things and not earning it and like what, what does that mean to really earn the like journey that's that, I think that's a really useful criterion to bring in place you know, um, and um, but 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 it's a useful conversation, right? About which to have a kind of uh, flexible uncertainty and mystery about it. We're in this riptide, right, of ancient meeting modern, right, for, with some wonderful things and some horrible things. Traditional deep ayahuasca practice in the jungle with the protocol and people shooting DM, you know, DMT, and we, then we go Wuda. So that's why it's like clarifying and and internally vowing and clarifying, you know. Um, May our manner of relating be an offering serves renaissance and democracy as opposed to an imposition which serves colonialism no matter what label we stick on our butts. Mm, I think that we no one has to do anything, but, but we do note uh, and wonder about the, the rise of entheogenic plants that want to heal human kinship. That's good. But it doesn't, there's no orthodoxy. Remember, ortho means straight and doxy is teaching. So orthodox is straight teaching, like putting water in a straight channel where it carries poison. We like our teachings meandering and curvy, right? So, so it's good to be suspicious of any structure to which we outsource our autonomy. There are different groups in which I go, no, thank you. I, I used to, in my youth, you know, entering into life going, no matter what, I'll learn something. Ah, parachute in. Um, you know, and, and joined a lot of groups that turned into cults, you know, in a, in a way, and going, oh, time to tiptoe away. So people love to engage. It's why I like the wolf-coyote pack model, right? It, it, that's the criterion that we begin with, you know, whether one's venturing into ayahuasca or a social movement group going, is it a supportive pack? Um, does it encourage everyone's uniqueness? Can experimental play, you know, can people feel relaxed from cringing? Like, oh, if I said the wrong thing, it's like an atmosphere. And that's part of, you know, where mm, experimental magic comes into play. You know, we get to say, you know, by the placing of yellow flowers here in this room where this meeting's about to happen, may surprisingly respectful and convivial discourse take place. <laughs> you know, Wizards and witches and activist animists, you know, it's an experimental, you know, whimsy, but people love, they want this part of themselves spoken to, you know, and it has been shamed. We've been shamed out of what we should be most proud of, our experimental compassionate whimsy and our woof woof wanna play and our telepathic kinship and our, you know, uh, love of animals and I um, mean there's all those things like oh not scientific and we all right kind of so part of it is relaxing into what's authentic and our so so in, in the astrological language it says we all have what fairy tales refer to we have a wise animal that knows what to do when our mind does not you know knows where to jump going there fairy tales 
teach us about this. And they say, you know, the wise animal will say, when you come to an impossible thing, burning river, glass mountain, the wise pony says to the hero or heroine, let go of control so power can come through. Don't micromanage, and you hold on tight, because I know how to get us through this. And they soar over the burning river and up the glass mountain. And what this relates to in everybody is, you know, there's a wise animal part of us that knows how to get us through impossible stuff. If we let go of control, ride the animal, here we go. So all these different qualities to be experimented with, you know, call and response, and everybody gets to feel when there's an authentic, like, well, that worked. Yeah, yeah. Two more switches towards the done. That is two more, it's like so burning. Okay, one, this is the question of walking with this here to be contention is the role of the mythopoetic imagination in remembering kinship. What I mean by that, as an example, is that I remember one time I was in like a course talking to a tree, and I was like, but I think it's like in my head, you know, if, like if, I, if I were to hear the tree talk back, it's in my head. And the woman was like, yeah, it's all in your head. And there was this element of like, what I felt was like this lending of my imagination in order to like give some of the raw uh, material to that feeling of kinship, to that conversation. And that to me was like, oh, is that really how it is? Is there a, is there an imaginal realm of, on our part in order to come back into this conversation with all of life and all these helpers and spirits and right right i mean that's true are we new age dingbats imposing upon creation you know a false view of reality that you know we're in, or that that's why knowledge is so useful you know did you know is a great way for us all to relate to things because nobody minds being asked did you know and so the more we know about botanists and trees you know the trees are you know our admiration curiosity leads to admiration which leads to respect which leads to protecting life so the intelligence of trees you know um uh, that you know, if if a if a if a if a tree if if a be, if a tree is being attacked by beetles, it, it lets it go for a while. But then once it passes the boundary, it's like that's it, that's enough. And the tree creates these pheromones that it wafts out that attracts the predator of that beetle. But at the same time, the tree makes a public service announcement to other trees, going, you know, greedy guys coming, make this thing up, and we go, wow. So the more we know, the more we kind of marvel. We're under a willow tree. Diana Beresford Kroger, wonderful tree woman, says uh, she who was raised by Druids in a Druid family goes to Harvard, gets multiple degrees to prove Druid tree lore. That sit under a willow tree, it will heal your sense of kinship because the salicylic acid, even just inhaling it, you know, heals kinship. And so here we are, filming under a willow tree. May it waft out to everybody. Feel kin, not alone. Uh, walk into a pine forest. You always come out smarter because the... Uh, aerosols, you know, feed our brain, you know, uh, rosemary sharpens memory, um, cooperators are standing by, you know, again, um, lavender, very calming, you know, I mean, there's so much ingenuity and generosity on every kind of level that doesn't have to be, yeah, so, um, uh, yeah, and, and, but, but children have this, you know, um, I spent a lot of time in a particular tree as a little girl, just, num, 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 and it wasn't like high, it was like, oh, very soothing field, you know, dogs, very soothing field, you know, and, um, you know, and in some fairy tales and in Mary Poppins, not the horrible movie, but the books, uh, the twin babies understand the language of the wind and the birds and the thing, and Mary Poppins says, you're going to forget. And they're like, no, 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 teach us how to not forget. And there's an incredible written moment in those books where they forget. But there's ways of remembering, you know, and that's what we, that's what, that's what the music and the poetry is, you know, to help us remember our 
kinship, and it is a, it is a earned journey. Yeah. Final question. Oh, final question, final you question. say. <laughs> From my friend Shay, uh, is given what you perceive, what you're able to perceive, what is the most relevant action for us as the collective at the time? Well, gee, uh, it's as many. Oops, my foot is asleep. There we go. Um, uh, make it a little more specific and less vague uh, or less huge. Uh, what, what, what's that? Maybe on the level of myth, like on mythic realm. What is the most relevant mythic action that we, given like this specific moment, all of its all of its a complexity? Um, you know, maybe this is a question that's not useful because it's trying to put things maybe tied up in like a bow or something. Well, it, but there, there's something there about like, and we are in a mythic moment, and like, what is that mythic moment, and what it, I mean, maybe we don't know the next step, but then what is the what is the step that we take if we don't know the next step now, I guess? Well, you know, it's, it's, it's a, a lot of what's before us right now, you know, to speak astrologically and translate that, um, cooperators are standing by. So, Neptune is how a culture tells itself its own story through the images and music that moves through collective culture. Let it be, you know, dedicated acts of beauty, you know, dedicated to collective welfare. And Neptune is stationing now, retrograde, retrograde, goes direct November 2nd, which means its apparent motions backward, which is inner research, research everything that's ever moved us, each one of us, you know, going, oh, I love that thing, or I did study that once, or I love that, because it's the wonder will bring it alive, and it's going to be trining Jupiter in Scorpio, deep delving investigative sizzle and backstage influence as we move to kind of November, December in the launch of 2018. So it says, you know, what's available uh, some things are always true, but there are times when they're truer, is, you know, what stories and myths do we want to animate? And for each moment, you know, really, why why wait? You know, that it be dedicated, um, you know, um, by the doing of this thing, may, may uh, expanded wisdom and tolerance be available. Um, we sympathetic magic, you know, that uh, those of us not under immediate threat, that we go to a crossroads or make a crossroads with cornmeal and pour cool water on it, that we may all be agents of cool out, you know, a cool response in hot reactive world. Um, but what myths do we want to animate? What games do we play? Um, I have not, you know, uh, done video games because I did not want to wed my nervous system to dispassionate killing. You know, it's a con, right? The single shooter stuff. It's like, good heavens, people! You know, um, you know so, uh, so that realm of, of what do we choose to animate, uh, we don't need more powers but to use the extraordinary ones we're all invested with, you know, what projects. And, and that's why um, so, so the, the model of... Um, right now, it can be a fantastic renaissance in which we, we all work together to, to animate and create the desirable world as a, as a kind of visualized uh, meta-group mind that begins to, you know, assume molecular form, right? This is, this is a, the application of all mystery teachings and become the reality. So we can, we don't want to face off with necessarily the horror of so much misery. We have to deeply understand it and engage in compassionate and genius response in everywhere, Puerto Rico and Yemen and, I mean, the suffering and, and uh, the, everywhere. Um, and at the same time, we go, and so what are we going to do in response to this? Um, who brought what? Uh, we have ingenious solutions to everything, you know, and let our creative engagement be, uh, our work be replenishing um, in, in ways that are good for everyone, you know. Forming the dedication first is a powerful time for that. And um, 
And Yorna says, um, don't worry about how, right? So part of the dynamic, you know, is, is in this language, it says uh, Saturn, our autonomy's function is to dedicate and to wonder what we're dedicated to, really useful, nothing happens without that, um, you know, and to make vows and to design the art form of each one of our lives, what we want to be like. But we often stick Saturn with, well, how am I going to do that? And who will pay me and whatever? And it's like, that's not Saturn's job. You know, Jupiter and Uranus chime in and say, we'll do the booking. You just tell us what and we'll do how. Do common sense stuff, but we'll do how in miraculous make you bark with laughter ways. You know, the right person at the right time, the right connecting, you know, and social media can, is all a kind of part of this, that we hear the right message like, oh, that's great, you know, um, this living intelligence. And so... Um, yeah, a good way to sign off for now, you know, is Johannes Trickster, Coyote, Raven, where we began, you know, it says to each one of us, all of us, you know, I'm going to connect you to the coolest things possible. Where do you want freedom, unexpected goodness, uh, genius, you know, um, inward and outward. And, and uh, Johannes says, you got it, you know, cooperatives are standing by. All I want from each one of us, you, is willingness. And we go, all right, just at some unselfconscious moment, we accept the deal, we go, whatever the coolest thing possible, we're willing, and we throw up our arms. And the backstage gods go, look at all those humans, they've hoisted their sails of willingness, let's go. There we go. Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah. are the one-way ticket holders on the one-way street blessed are the midnight riders who in the shadow of God they sleep blessed are the huddled hikers staring out Their personal acquaintance with pain. Blessed are the blood relations of the young ones who have died, who had not the time or patience to carry on this Who have died
blessed are the Jews, they cried, and many were the years they tried, take them to that bad. 